Ruddy Turnstone is a Harrisburg-based indie rock artist. His new single, I've Been to the Dungeon Before, is an epic, moody, but catchy piece of music that features guest vocals from Jessica Boyer and violin from Robin Chambers. Out now on all streaming platforms. Good morning, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen. It's not morning anymore. It's afternoon. I was going to say. That's all right. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and this is the Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, Mr. Adam Yarger. Born and raised in Center Hall, PA, Adam started learning guitar in the seventh grade, later becoming interested in singing and songwriting in 10th grade. After graduation, Adam attended Penn State University for a summer and fall semester, but had no interest, so he decided to drop out and move to Nashville in 2014. Continuing to write and perform, Adam released his first EP in 2015, later taking to the road to promote his work. Soon, Adam got to write and record music at Sony Tree Studios, and more recently is working with Cantwell's Productions of Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton's guitarist. That's right. And to release his first album, Scratched Up Vinyl, in 2019, Adam made his CMA Fest debut on the Artist Spotlight stage. Adam is still on the road and playing out with his new band, Adam and the Armadillos. Adam continues to promote his latest releases, The Day I Got Arrested, and if I know her, Adam, how are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. You got you you've done a lot of stuff. I'm putting in the work, I feel like. <laughs> Definitely hitting the miles too. So tell me about it. You uh started playing guitar in seventh grade. Is that where your like your music first started or uh love for music rather? Or uh start deep for you. I would say more so I was interested in learning more. I I guess to go back further in fourth grade i actually was interested in playing saxophone oh wow really and uh yeah i played saxophone for a little bit and by a little bit it was probably like i don't know half a school year or whatever mm-hmm. and then uh yeah seventh grade rolled roll, rolled along and i really was into nickelback as uh most seventh graders i feel like probably are maybe i don't know what the kids are listening to today but uh yeah, no, I was super into them. I saw them live in uh, State College, and after that, I was like, oh, I really want to learn how to play the guitar. So I started learning after that, and then, yeah, 10th grade came, and at that point, I was really into uh, country music and, like, just the way that the songs were written, and, you know, I love steel guitar, and there's something about it that just touches my soul. So I was super interested in writing country, and that's how this is all snowballed from there. So tell me, when did you start writing? Uh, I think I wrote my first song the summer after 10th grade, so probably like 2010, 2011, I think that was. And uh, what was the first song? I'm trying to think. I think the first song was Georgia Kiss. Georgia Kiss? Yeah, I put a little, uh, I put a garage band project together. I was like playing the drums on this little pad that I had bought from Guitar Center. And uh, I think I did the bass on that as well. And it was super rough, but I sent it to a couple of friends and like, that's honestly kind of really good. And so like getting that kind of positive feedback was really nice. And I was thinking like, well, maybe like keep doing it, may be able to get better. And so uh, that's how that kind of snowballed there. And uh, I would say I'm the best writer. I've had like the biggest writer's block for like a couple of years now. And I feel like I've just been so busy with so many other things that it's kind of taken my focus from the creative side of writing but uh no I, I love being able to put something together and piece together this story or a song and you know somebody can connect with that that's like the greatest feeling so at 10th grade do you start when do you start performing like actually like 
going out places. So the first time I ever played out was a place in Lock Haven, which is like 40 minutes from where I was from. There really wasn't anywhere to play around where I'm from other than State College. And there was no scene really for country music in State College. And there's no real scene, I feel like, in Lock Haven for it either. And I played this like coffee shop there on the main strip. And uh, I'd brought some people out that, you know, knew me, friends or whatever. And uh, I wouldn't say I was like super great. My dad was even like, you could do a little less talking while you're playing. <laughs> Apparently, I was not very good at that aspect of it. And uh, but yeah, no, I think I did that once or twice. And then I was kind of invested in school at that point. And, uh, and then I was like, this is definitely not for me. So that's, that's when the Nashville thing all came about. I was thinking... How could I take this to the next level? Where is, you know, where are places that you can play? And at that point, I didn't even realize that you could make a living, honestly, like playing Broadway or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, in the middle of college, I was like, yeah, this isn't this isn't it. Summer, fall semester, I was done with all that. So, And so you moved to Nashville. Uh, how do you just pick up and move? That's a, that's a big decision, especially to go to a big city like Nashville. It's funny you brought that up. We were talking about that uh, just before we got in here. And uh, I was saying that I knew this girl from here. I don't know if she's from Harrisburg, but we both were in this Barbizon modeling and acting school. I did that in sixth grade. I was super into acting like growing up. I loved like plays and stuff like that. So uh, we were in this class together and she actually was living down there. And I think... I was going back and just kind of reaching out to people that were in the same class as me, just seeing how they were doing. And uh, she was like, I live down in Nashville. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'd love to come visit and just check out the town and just see what's kind of going on. And uh, so I went down with the girl that I was dating with at the time. And uh, we had a really good time. Like I was like, Oh wow, this is incredible. Like I saw lower Broadway and was just blown away. Like I'd never seen anything like that. And uh, so I was totally sold from that. And uh yeah what was it i think that may then the may of 2014 i moved down there at 19 and uh that probably wasn't like the best decision i feel like because i was so young and like i couldn't get in to bars and stuff like that so there really wasn't much to do and uh so i just tried to write as much as i could and i was working at the boot stores uh on lower broadway so i was kind of consumed with that and they had a really strict like no musician policy type for like the workers there because they didn't want to deal with people always calling off or like just being like a headache, I guess, essentially, which I, I totally understand that from a business aspect. Like, yeah, that's employees. what you Yeah, no, it was crazy. We had blackout dates from September till or no, I'm sorry, from May till like September, October. You couldn't ask for time off because everybody was coming to Nashville and all, right. like it's, that's when the season is yeah tourist season so uh yeah you have to be ready to work so i was doing that really for the first like two years living there and that's when i was like all right it's time to like really dive into music so i quit doing that and uh i was trying to network even harder and i was thinking well i'm in a good spot here why don't i just like go out and play bars all over and like build a fan base and then keep this as like a hub to record you know music to put out because at the time 2014 uh my instagram was really blowing up which is it's always wild because people ask me but oh my god you have twenty thousand followers you must have i always you, you bought those followers right, you right, bought right. followers and it's like that's not even the case at all like i've just we're in like 
we're almost 10 years now like into instagram when you think about it we're one year away honestly from like 10 years i mean 2014 it would be this year nine years ago that you know instagram was booming people were giving people shout outs i was on the the cute country boys page that was right. a huge like help for my like following and stuff like that and uh but little did i know that they were like just following because they must have just thought i was cute or something like that because i put out my first ep and uh i didn't i didn't market it well i had no idea what i was doing at that point either i was so green and such a in such a hurry i guess to give these people that were following me some kind of content you know mm -hmm. that they could have but uh yeah so it's been a it's been a wild ride so that's crazy so uh tell me about the process of your first ep what was that like so i actually one of my coworkers at the boot store her mom worked at hilltop studios which was kind of outside of town like north of nashville like 15 minutes and uh it's a nice little studio. It's out in the woods. It's kind of like this little house converted over into a studio. And uh, they had a super cool room, big board and like rock wall and stuff. like. It had a really cool vibe to it. And uh, I think it was Cindy, my coworker's mom. She worked there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had a couple songs ready to go. And it was super cool because being so young and so new to the town i didn't know anybody obviously mm -hmm. and going in and working with those guys they have a pool of musicians to choose from and so you go in and you play like a little demo and they get like an idea of like your sound or what you're gonna you know really sound good with i guess and uh, they build like a band for you and uh yeah they bring everybody in we were gonna have uh, brent mason uh play on my first dp but he was down in he west recording for george Strait, and i was like who's that like who's really that? like <laughs> man really all right well that's super cool but uh yeah i know so like they bring in these guys and everybody you run through a couple takes and it's really awesome i call it like christmas day honestly because you come in with this project just acoustic and you have this idea in your mind what it's going to sound like and the guys hear a demo they make their charts you go in all right one two here we go and all of a sudden your song has now come to life in a matter of like seconds and it's all before you. it was like the coolest feel like it, it gave me chills like hearing the steel guitar on back road for the first time i'll never forget it it was super cool so like i said it's like christmas 2.0 so you got that all together was that uh just a collection of songs for you or did you have like a storyline for that uh i just kind of had a couple songs that i thought were some of my best work uh back road was probably the most favorite song which i still have it out now i took the ep down i uh, kind of got self-conscious about it uh later on being that i feel like in this industry you can see yourself grow especially when you put something down on a track and you listen back and you're like wow i sound like i have no idea what i'm doing right and uh so yeah i got i got kind of self-conscious about it so i took it all down and uh people kept asking me they hounded me about back road and i put out a music video for it we shot this music video on my own my sister like helped get the camera angle like she's the one holding it and i got it all set up because i used to do a little bit of photography uh in college before i uh, canned all that and uh yeah put this music video out and it just kept doing really well on youtube and I was like, oh, I think I might have screwed up from taking this video down or uh, the the streaming down. 
so i uh, ended up re-releasing it and people just it's just funny to see like oh they don't care how you sound or like they totally are not hearing the things that i'm hearing and yeah. they just love this song and uh yeah so but yeah that's how that kind of all it's always funny how we get more in our heads about it than other people oh yeah it, it's definitely strange because i'm always like oh super flat and, and people are like oh that's such a great song man like it's perfect and i'm thinking ooh, perfect far from it but all, all right, right i'll take it so you dropped that ep uh what's next then uh after that what was next still writing uh the sony tree recording sessions were after that um i was moving on from hilltop i was on the road at this point kind of like learning about how all that works like booking gigs for my stuff uh myself i actually was uh road dogging with a guy michael danielson from nashville we were like buddying up and we were going out we'd go to florida we went to iowa uh, i'm trying to think of where else we were at nebraska that was wild I'd never been out there and we were playing nebraska i think we even i don't know if we made a stop in missouri somewhere but that was just super cool being out in like the middle of the country, like playing music just felt so sick. And, uh, so yeah, the next thing was uh, Sony tree still writing, had some new songs I'd put together and, uh, I felt like I had grown a little bit. So I was ready to put out some more stuff and just see how it goes. I ended up recording three songs at Sony tree and, uh, I only ended up releasing two. I got super, bummed out i don't i don't know how to describe it i just i wasn't super thrilled with how the third one came out it was a slower song and uh i don't know i feel like i have a hard time with like the sappy songs like mm. the lovey-dovey type of songs like as i'm older now and can like look back it's kind of funny to see that because now i'm all about like the super hardcore like cheating country songs <laughs> and like definitely not like oh here's roses yeah. yeah there's roses they're dead roses something like i don't know but uh yeah no i ended up not releasing that song it was at, it was called she's like whiskey it's not a bad song i was thinking recently like maybe i should like just release it because do it. yeah people want to hear it like people will probably love it um but i did that burn i released that song and uh find me fishing was also the third song that we did and uh I've kind of fell in the same cycle again of going back to being self-conscious about it mm -hmm. left burn up. Cause we did a video for that. I played uh, my hometown fair and we put this super cool music video together for it and uh, released burn as a YouTube song that way. And uh, same thing took it, took those songs down. Cause I was like, all right, I'm going to get together and I'm going to put a whole album together and it's not going to be anything like this. And we're just going to recreate the whole sound. And uh, same thing. People love to find me fishing. We were talking about that this morning. And uh, the amount of streams that are on that song, I didn't know like promo for it. And it's like, wow, that's crazy to see that. Like, that's what that is off of no backing, no push. I mean, we did a video for it, music video, and uh, it's on YouTube as well. But other than that, just organically, the numbers are pretty wild for nothing behind it so uh yeah i ended up bringing find me fishing back and uh i actually have a different idea for burn i have mm. this bluegrass style for that song because the main riff that i originally wrote for it 
was super bluegrassy meets like Eric Church, but like older Eric Church. And uh, so I took Burn Down, but it's still on YouTube if like people want to hear like the original style of it. The reason why it sounds the way that it does is when we went in to record the musicians that were gathered for that session, we had, I can't remember what his name was, but he, he plays for uh, Bob Seger. So I was like, oh my God, Bob Seger is like, super idle because i listened to a bunch right. of classic rock growing up with my dad and so like how am i gonna tell that guy like yeah no i don't like that riff please do <laughs> like what i'm doing here like this guy plays for bob seeger i am unsigned i am just this guy in town like i think he's he's got it under control but that's what he's done but yeah no i uh i, I wish i low-key wish i would have put my foot down and just been like can you kind of do it more style like this and and Again, as I'm older now, and uh, we went in after all those three songs, uh, I linked up with Kent Wells at that point, and or after that, and uh, we put together a 10-song album, and it was really nice because having those two other sessions really got me ready for this, mm. and I guess you could say like I kept it real with Kent. Like if I didn't like something, you told him. I would tell him. Yeah, and like if he didn't like something, he would tell me, and we would find like an even. We never butted heads. It was super cool. Like he's such a great guy, and uh, super fun to work with. So we never butted heads. And like the moment he would hear the songs, he was like, "Oh, I know exactly. Like this is who needs to play the keys for this song." And it just that's good. Yeah, no, it was super cool. And that experience was hands down one of the coolest experiences uh so far so so you can't put money on on intelligence like that oh yeah no the the guy is totally incredible like he knows his way around the guitar he knows how to like put something together from nothing like trying to think like like i said about the keys like he had this keyboard player i was totally blown away he was doing things on one of my songs and i was like this couldn't be more perfect for like when I say like, oh, you hear the song in your head and then it comes to life, it really came to life working with Ken. So it was just a real honor for me to uh, have that experience. We have a few of those songs from that session. You want to talk about one of them? Uh, we have The Day I Got Arrested. So this is actually the first time working with Kent. The Day I Got Arrested wasn't created until after Scratch That Vinyl was released. Mm -hmm. I guess we, I didn't really explain that too well when I sent that over. But yeah, the Scratched Up Vinyl album came out and then it, it was just last year that I reached out to Kent and was like, hey, let's do a couple more songs. Uh, I have three again, but the reason why I didn't release the third one yet is because this past June, I got an email saying that uh, artists from Nevada cut it and released it because I wrote it with Trent uh, Willman from Nashville. And that guy is just an absolute beast of a writer. He, uh, he works with Cody Johnson. Mm. and he's uh cody's producer right now and uh yeah so they sent me an email saying that jake jacobson cut it and released it on his ep one of those is the song and uh yeah so i was like well i guess i'll hold off for now and just let that do its thing and we'll sit on this and see what happens right so tell me about uh, the day i got arrested then so the day i got arrested i wrote it actually right after we finished recording uh scratched up vinyl and i was kind of bummed that i didn't get to like add it onto the project it like just missed the cut uh but this song came about i was uh so i guess to tell the real story i blew my back out in 2016 doing a deadlift at the gym 
I slipped a disc in my L5 and uh, my, what was it? L5 and S1 in between there. That's the disc that was getting pushed out and it was touching my sciatic nerve. So my leg was super, super like numb and just awful tingly and uh, nothing was helping. And uh, I never, for the record, I was never really into like smoking pot or like really into that whole thing in high school i guess you could say it was kind of like a goody two shoes uh didn't party i was always like in my room just trying to learn stuff for guitar and uh yeah down in nashville my roommate was like man i know you're in a lot of pain but like have this you should try this and uh one night i was like I- i'll try man i don't i have nothing else to lose because it-, it was so bad and uh it was like instantaneously like it took all that pain away and uh it was just like it was actually honestly the most incredible feeling and uh, so I kept doing that for the pain. And uh, yeah, I always say in a live show, I'm like, if anybody out there has ever dabbled, one of the side effects of uh, marijuana is uh, paranoia. Yeah. And uh, I was at my girlfriend's at the time and uh, just finished smoking out back. And I got super paranoid about the guy across the street because he was always outside like a retired like gym teacher or something like that. And he was always outside doing yard work or something. And, uh, you know, I was out back doing my thing too. And like ash my bowl out and, uh, I thought, oh man, I don't know. Like, I feel like he probably smelled that. Like it reeks. So obviously like, how do you not smell that? And so I went in and I'm like looking out the door, like looking out the window and trying to like, see if he's out and he's just out on his front porch, just kind of sitting there. He must've just been enjoying the nice day, but he was just sitting there and I got super paranoid that like, he looks like he's waiting on the cops to show up like, oh, my God, did this guy call the cops on me for smoking? And like, so I got super duper paranoid. And I was like, why don't you just pick up your guitar and do something with it? Maybe that'll like calm you down. Maybe you could put something together right now. And uh, sure enough, yeah, I wrote the day I got arrested in probably like 15 minutes and uh, didn't help my paranoia any, but uh, <laughs> got this super cool song out of it. So I was like, all right, well, that'll work. We'll We'll use that. So. That's awesome. It's not even about you getting arrested at all. It's- well, yeah, the I guess if it's funny, I mean, I think it's kind of funny now, but it wasn't funny at the time. Uh, probably like six to nine months later, I was actually playing down here at the Winter Circle in Grantville, and I just played probably the worst show. Like, the band was button heads. We didn't end at the right time. Oh, no. Like, we were supposed to play a whole nother, like, 30 minutes, and... uh my back was killing me like being in the boots and stuff like that. I was in so much pain. And uh, I think even like a patron came in and she was flipping out, like screaming at us. You're supposed to play till whatever. And like, just going nuts. She even like followed us out into like the hallway and I'm heading out to the parking lot and I could hear her. I think somebody was kind of like trying to like wrangle her down. Cause she was like cussing and flipping out. And I'm thinking, gee whiz. And so I got out of there and I went up to my car and I'm just sitting in there, like just trying to calm down and take away the pain. And sure enough, up pulls a squad car. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like did somebody like follow me around or like what in the world is going on? And like, I had no clue. I'm in the back parking lot too. Like why would they pull out there like that? Right. So I got suit again, I got super paranoid because I have other stories of like friends getting DUIs and situations that are like they were in their car and for whatever reason. And uh, so I was like, well, I'm not getting a DUI. So I ended up getting out of the car. And uh, sure enough, the one officer came over and he's like, what's going on? And I was like, (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, what do you what do you mean? Like, what's going on? Like, you tell me. 
And he's like, are you smoking? And I was like, what do you, like, why are you honestly here? Like, what is going on? And I was like, uh, yeah, obviously. Like, <laughs> I was so confused. I was so lost. Like, what, what are you doing yeah, back here? Yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, the guy was like, we were just dropping off a lady. And I was like, why don't you drop her off in the front? Like, where the main door is and like there's lights and stuff like why are you dropping her off back here so that did not go down very well and i got a ride down to bass pro behind there fingerprinted and everything so uh yeah that was a foreshadowed story coming to life so yeah. any writers out there listening don't you be writing stuff about stuff that doesn't happen or didn't happen yet because there's always a chance it may happen well that's a, this is the day i got arrested by adam yarger
that was the day I got arrested by Adam Yarger. So, but for those watching, by the way, feel free to post your or comment your questions that you have for Adam, and we'll get around to them eventually, if you have any at all. Yeah. So, you started working with uh, Kent Wells, and you got this 10-song album together, and then you started working on these other songs. And uh, that actually song made top 100. It did. Uh, it was the Country Pickens Top 100 of 2022. So How does that feel? I was actually kind of pumped to see that, honestly, because uh, like, like I said earlier, with doing everything, honestly, kind of in-house, it is so hard to like tackle every single aspect of this industry with booking shows, writing songs, getting these songs recorded, uh, doing all the promo for the songs, all the graphics, uh, music videos, just there is so much in all of it. And uh, yeah, where were we even going with this? With the uh, hit, what, what was the question? Re- uh, refresh um, me, sorry. Top 100 songs of 2022. That's right. 2022, yes, the promotion side of things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I sent it to these guys. It came out in October of 2022, so super late in the season. Right. And uh, for them to add that in there, I thought it was super cool. So shout out to uh, Country Pickens uh, for the love on the day I got arrested. They've added it to their up and comers playlist on their Spotify. So that's super cool to see that. Uh, and it's super cool, like doing the backside of all of the like business side of things. Like I run the Spotify for artist app and I can see like where people listen, the playlist that it gets added into iTunes shows you uh, who's like shazamming the song like what song is this it shows up there uh apparently that song so far has been shazam 10 times in its lifetime so it's super cool to see that kind of stuff uh but yeah super big shout out to country pickens for uh, all that love so you you did all that and we're kind of backtracking a little bit you made your cma fest debut yeah 2019 tell me about that how'd that process begin uh that was super wild because i was still living in town at the time and uh my friend Candace, uh, she actually got that all hooked up. She met me. We were, I think we met downtown through my old roommate, Tyler. And uh, yeah, we became friends and she was hosting writers rounds and doing uh, more so of like the music business side of things. So she had an in that way with some of the people with CMA Fest. She knows a ton of people. So it's super nice to have her in your back pocket and uh yeah she's actually the one that was helping me like reach out to some of the cma people i think she actually submitted me to that and uh yeah they came back and they were like congratulations you've been selected to play the spotlight stage and uh cma fan fest uh, i forget what they call the uh the big expo it's like a if you have a pass to the stadium you can get in there or you have to like pay whatever amounts to get a ticket but uh yeah, no, that was super cool. Got to uh, go in where all the other artists do. I got to see Blanco Brown. I passed him on my way out. It was super cool. And uh, it was super fun. I made a bunch of fans that day. Uh, a guy from Colorado, Ken Nichols, if he's listening out there, he uh, I met him that day, and we stay in touch. Actually, the one time that we went out to Denver, I actually linked up at his house and like had some drinks with him. Super nice guy. And uh, so it was a super cool experience. And uh, yeah, CMA Fest 2019. So, and then uh, that was the the lovely year before everything happened. Yeah, no, I was really <laughs> gearing up for like the super cool release. Like, oh, I played CMA Fest and now I'm releasing this album. And uh, I think it was 
I was going to release that on, I want to say it was Friday the 13th. I was going to release That's it. That's the exact day. But it, yeah, it everything was in March. It was that weekend. Uh, everything shut down. And I was like, well, this couldn't be worse timing. So I'm still trying to figure out how to like go back and be like, hey, by the way, if you missed this and the whole thing that happened, storm of that, here you go. Here's a whole album of songs. But yeah, so kind of got derailed there because I was actually I was supposed to go down to Florida. Like I set up this whole big tour, essentially acoustic tour. I got all these CDs printed out and uh, made them through like CD Baby or whatever. And uh, yeah, I was going to go out and really road dog it and push this album. And uh, yeah, everything got shut down. So yeah, might have to revisit that at was, some point. So I was saying everything shut down. What are you doing to get back out? To get back on it uh yeah just uh, what i did was just recorded new music i was like mm-hmm. i got the day i got arrested if i know her uh one of those i was actually sitting on that for a long time i wrote that in 2014 with trent wilman and uh yeah i actually that song was on hold with blake shelton for a little while and then i heard nothing on that so they apparently didn't decide to go with it unfortunately a big crying face because that would have been super cool that would have been really cool uh yeah so uh yeah moving on from that i just kind of sat on it uh trent was working with a artist out of texas six sanchez he actually ended up doing a version of it for his i think it was an album they put it on his album and then uh just more recently it was like a couple of months after recording it. I got an email saying that Jake Jacobson uh, put it on his EP. And I don't know if it's going to be on his album or what the deal is there. But uh, yeah, they released it. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I'll sit on it again and just give it a little time. Wait for the right time, I guess. So we have it here. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Like, what is it about? I send you one of those. Yeah. If if I know her. Oh, OK. Yeah. No, sorry. If I know her. Uh, yeah, this was uh, I wrote this uh 2016 uh this was amongst a breakup in 2016 i was getting ready to play my hometown fair the grange fair and uh i was on my way back to nashville to rehearse with the band for that show and my dad was driving i was at that time that's like immediately after i had the accident at the gym with my back And so dad was driving and I was in the back of the suburban kind of like laying down, just trying to be like comfortable for this like 12 hour drive. And uh, yeah, on the way down, I kind of crafted this song. And when I got down there, we got finally back to my place. Uh, Yeah, we like went into this pretty much empty apartment, which was kind of like shocking because again, I was in the middle of this breakup and uh, I was sitting there thinking like, well, I'll try to finish that song because it was pretty good and see if you can figure it out because it's really only kind of stuck on like a chorus for that song. There was a line in the chorus that I couldn't find. And uh, I'm sitting there looking out the window just trying to think about it. And it started raining like super, super hard. And uh, I was like, well, there you go. You can say something about it raining. And uh, yeah, hit you like a storm, leave you standing in the rain. And so there was that song. And uh, yeah, I, I sat on this forever too. I played it that week at the fair and I got really good reviews on it. And people were just like, I really like that song. And I was like, Oh yeah, great. Wonderful. And uh, at that time I wasn't like ready to record new stuff. And then the whole album thing got in the way. And uh, at that time I was 
kind of looking to write new material just kind of see what i could come up with and uh yeah just recently since i've been in like such a writer's block i was like why don't you just release some of this older stuff mm-hmm. you know pass the time and uh just see what people think and so uh yeah went back got a hold of kent and did the three songs and uh yeah if i know her was born and let's give it a listen I know her She's probably somewhere on the water With the sunshine shining on her Like the Amarillo sun If I know her She's got the radio up loud Singing with those windows down Hitting every key just right if i know her tell me you been doing a situation over here that's okay you got it i think so there we, there go. we go 
Yeah, these headphones are, are uh, they move in all sorts of ways. Yeah. So you've been a uh, solo acoustic. You've had a band for a little, a little bit, but nothing quite serious. Uh, tell me about the Armadillos. Yeah, Adam and the Armadillos. We, uh, we've been playing for the past almost a whole year. Our first gig was in April last year. We played a adult Easter egg hunt in the middle of the day because <laughs> at that time, that's the only kind of gig we could get between my solo acoustic show schedule and these guys uh, were actually playing in like a rock band, like a punk rock band at the time. So like trying to find like a night where we could book a gig on a Saturday or a Friday night, it was like completely impossible. And uh, so we're like, well, let's play this Easter egg hunt and just see how it goes. Didn't even play like a full drum set. Like it was a cajon acoustic guitar and I think an electric guitar. And uh, I was like, wow, this is like really good. Like we all really played well together. The energy was all really good. So I was like, all right, well, that was awesome. So we got together then after that and we did, uh, I think we were messing with a cover, a Co Wetzel cover. And uh, we all said it was good, but we weren't like thrilled enough to put it out yet. So we messed with a couple other things. And uh, at that time, the guitar player alex alex sturbenz he uh he got a i think he got a call or something about coming and playing open mic to maybe play at like the first downtown you know as like a residency type thing and uh yeah so we went and played this open mic night on a monday and they were like all right well we like you guys we want to we want to have you on mondays from 12 a.m to 2 a.m and i was not shocked or thrilled i guess is the better term for that at all and uh we played syllabus week and it was literally insane and we were like well that was only because it was syllabus week and like you know people could come out because you know there's nothing going on or whatever and uh yeah then it was like another week went by and it was still the same amount of kids and we're like all right this is kind of wild i thought syllabus week was over like what are these kids doing out here and i think we did that for like two or three more weeks and at that point it was like oh wow this is kind of insane the amount of people that are coming out on mondays from like 12 a.m to 2 to see some country music because again like going way back to the beginning i was thinking at the time like there's no market or there seemed to be no market at that time right for like country live country music and state college so it was really kind of mind-blowing to me and uh yeah so that was going so well that at this point now we are now 10 30 to 2 a.m on monday nights and uh yeah it's just super awesome uh we love all the support from the students and like everybody that's been coming out just been super fun and uh yeah we're super honored to have like such such a great support from everybody so you have this now what's in the future for you guys uh so our goal is to uh, keep playing. We actually honestly have a really full schedule for this summer. We uh, we're now at the point where we're like double booking days oh, wow. and like, yeah, it's, it's super, it's super cool to see, but uh, at the same time, it's like, Oh my gosh, my voice better be like super ready for like double days. And then like, Oh, four more days after that, like constant singing. Right. Uh, so we got a super full schedule this summer that you can check out. It's on our spot or yeah, our Spotify, <laughs> our Facebook. Uh, we don't have a website, so we do everything through Facebook and Instagram. We post graphics on there of show dates and stuff like that. So all of that is on there. Uh, we'd like to get some original content, uh, or original songs recorded and put out, uh, 
that's probably like one of our higher up goals at this time. So I got to get out of the writer's block and shake it off and uh, get back to putting pen to paper and uh, making something happen. So uh, we can put a little armadillos project out. And so if you guys want to know where all of that's at, he does have a link tree in the description. And uh, so be sure to check that out and you can find everywhere that he's at. Yeah, absolutely. We're kind of running out of time here. So I like to have the, I have all these questions that I like to ask all my guests. So that's what we're going to get around to now. If you have a question for Adam, please be sure to comment that and we'll get around to that as well. So out of all of these years and of all of these experiences, what has been one of the most memorable experiences for you? Uh, all right. I'll give you like a top three. Um, I think CMA Fest is definitely on there. That was super fun. Uh, and it was super cool to like see your name on like some of the CMA graphics that were coming out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that was super fun. Uh, I really enjoyed working with Ken. And I also like, I guess I would lump this in. So it's kind of like four experiences. Uh, I also appreciate the early road years of like going. I mean, I'm still doing it. We just got our first van, uh, which is getting <laughs> finished up at the shop. Uh, it had some minor things that needed uh, polished out. But uh, yeah, just uh, going from like riding with a guy and you're going all the way out to Nebraska, you you just learn so much doing that kind of stuff. So I guess I appreciate that uh, experience uh, from a learning aspect. Um, But I guess an experience from like performance and stuff like that uh, would just be most recently playing Thon at Mm -hmm. uh, the Bryce Jordan Center with the Armadillos because uh, I was... I've been telling everybody it's cool to like see a bunch of shows there, see Nickelback there in seventh grade and be totally inspired. And now it's like full circle. I'm not like, we're not essentially playing the Jordan center as the armadillos, but we're playing that venue and for a really super awesome cause it's for the kids and Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't get any better than that. So uh, yeah, to be able to like come back and play there and then to have the show and experience that we did, because not only was, it's super cool to be in the arena and you're playing, you know, you're, you're the show, like you're the entertainment. Uh, not only was that cool, but the response from people, they had a live blog where people were essentially tweeting during it. And it was, there was one that stuck out to us. That was four fifteen. The threat of country hour is in the air. And then at five fifteen, it must've been the same person. They were like, I was a completely different person at 415 <laughs> that was amazing like it, it was super cool to see that and then we were told that we were the first band in thon history to get an encore because really? like, it's a tightly ran schedule with everything i mean they have a ton of bands that come through there it's a 70 some hour dance marathon i mean they got bands every hour so uh yeah we finished our last song and uh some of our friends from the uh, cross-country team that were super big are super big supporters of us uh, they started the one more song chant and then the whole Jordan center joined in. And uh, it, that was honestly like super incredible to uh, experience that. So that's probably going to be a lifelong memory there. That's awesome. Yeah. It was super cool. On the almost flip side of that, what is one of the worst or funniest experiences you ever had during a show? Uh, worst experience would be getting arrested after the show. That was oh, yeah. already horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like if you could just like light a can of crap on fire, that would be that. Um, 
another experience that was kind of tough for me was when we were putting together scratched up vinyl kent was super into the project to the point where he was reaching out to uh, some industry people and he's good friends with eric from uh broken or not broken bow uh black door or uh oh my gosh black river that's who it is black river entertainment which is kelsey ballerini jordan davis is on there i'm trying to think of who else those were the two like big dogs uh at that time and uh so he was friends with eric and i think it was like halfway through uh scratch the vinyl or actually i'm sorry we put a ep together with kent and then it turned into let's do a couple more songs and make it an album mm. so yeah in between that time frame of ep and album working with kent uh we met with eric and uh it was kind of like a hey like an artist pitch like you should work with this guy like you know check him right, out right. and uh so we got together with him in the studio and we're flipping through some of the songs and uh was not really interested from what it seemed like in any of it and then at the last song he was he kind of chirped up at i learned it from hank and he was like oh what's that and uh kind of caught an ear for it and then uh kind of like you could t see the energy kind of like die back down and it was like oh he's not interested at all like you could tell too and then like weeks after i kept like asking ken hey you, you, did you hear anything from eric or anything like any follow no, he's super busy, and it's like, oh man. And then you get the point after a while. So that on it, I kind of tuck that away, and I don't like to think about that because that puts me in like a, a negative headspace that I don't have time to focus on that. Right, of course. You know, it, it just puts you in a bad spot. So yeah, I like to not think about that. But that would probably be a really tough, terrible experience to feel like. You always hear about people. Oh, they tell you no. They tell they sure do tell you no. Like. And you'll feel it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll be really, really, really nice about it. But they'll tell you no. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's amazing. So, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started? Um, don't believe everybody. Like even like your followers and stuff like that. Like it's so hard to gauge all that stuff. There's, I feel like there's a lot of smoke and mirrors that a lot of people don't see. And uh, like the behind the scenes stuff, like even like talking to some people, like one of the things that I didn't even really know till like I dove into the music world was like George Strait didn't write any of those songs. It's always somebody like I didn't know. I didn't know that at all, really. I mean, honestly, until like I moved to Nashville and like was seeing like, oh, that guy wrote that song. Like, I didn't know that. And uh, so, yeah, I guess like looking back, just keep uh your head down i guess i don't know I, I, I don't know the there's so many experiences and uh oh my gosh yeah i don't know just can't believe everybody because everybody's got a friend or whatever and i don't know i mean you're right you gotta be careful who you trust who you uh take words from yeah every, everybody's doing the same thing yeah. honestly and uh i think people get hung up on like oh well you're making it now like doesn't this happen or doesn't this happen it's like well you can ask anybody that question and it's more so of like how they are going to gauge themselves I, I i feel like if you would ask somebody that is on the radio or is signed or something like that if you ask them are you making it their answer would probably be like no i'm not making it 
I'm signed. Like these, there's these other things that are attached to it, but I think deep down they'd probably be like, well, technically, uh, I mean, technically, yes. I, I don't know. Also. I'm not in that spot. I'm just seeing it from an outside view. But yeah, it's a wild world. It is a wild world, and the music industry is uh, not always been the nicest, and it's still not oh, always it's the cutthroat. And, yeah. and I think that's just the nature of the beast, honestly. Yeah. And and you're not going to please everybody. Like no, you're not. That guy didn't like us, but. I don't know. Penn State seems to dig what we're doing. So, you know, you got to take stuff with a grain of salt. And, you know, if you enjoy doing it, you just got to keep rolling with it. So where can people find you out now? You have a few shows coming up. Uh, I'm trying to think. Our next show, I have a couple acoustic things coming up. Our next band show is actually we have a. I'm trying to figure out the best words to describe this. This gig is. Not opening for Kenny Chesney, but it's the night of Kenny Chesney's show in State College, and we are playing to the VIP ticket holders who have like early entry into the venue and I don't know what other accommodations that the uh, Kenny tour is giving out with those VIP tickets. But that is our next full band show. Uh, I take that back. Looking at my calendar, we are playing the first on St. Patrick's Day from 11 to 1 p.m so 11 a.m to 1 p.m we have the kenny show uh we're back at winter's circle in may we take a trip to south carolina north carolina west virginia that's going to be in a weekend in april so we are really all over the place uh the best place would be to follow the facebook or instagram to keep up with all of that yes be sure to keep up with all of them before they head out onto their next door. yeah let your friends and family know there was somebody in a at campus they were like i'm gonna tell my dad he lives in north carolina i told him that you got to go see these guys they're awesome so I, they apparently he's gonna come out they marked it on the calendar they say well with all that said my name is Corey rose and this has been the story podcast if you want to check out more of what we do go ahead and go to Corey rose productions.com that's c-o-r-y-r-o-s-e-n productions.com where you can find out more about me the projects i do and this podcast tomorrow we have on big mama music she is a impersonator uh, cover musician so she gets dresses from like the 50s 60s 70s or oh, whatever I'd love to see that oh yeah and she gets them all together and she puts on a show of uh you know a disco show or a rock and roll show or whatever i want to see the uh the outfit changes i want to i'm curious where she gets them from like the time like in between the sets i want to see that so i'm excited yeah i'm excited to go in uh the great te- detail of that Monday, we have Kevin Whitaker. He is a, an amazing musician from around here. He's doing all sorts of cool stuff with his new music. Uh, the 14th, we have Dan Mayer. He's a great guy um, from around the area involved in the theater industry, so I'm really excited to dive deep into theater with them. And Friday, we also have another theater guy, Dustin DeBlanc, is coming in to share his story and everything that he's got going on there. And with all that said... I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day. If you like this episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, share with all your friends, and we will see you next time. Bye.